You're listening to Policy, Guns and Money, the Aspie podcast, with me, Olivia Nelson. In this episode of Aspie's Bigger Picture series, Peter Jennings speaks to Taiwan's Minister of Foreign Affairs, Dr. Joseph Wu. They discuss Taiwan's foreign policy priorities, cross-strait relations, Australia-Taiwan ties, and threats to regional security, including rising authoritarianism. Well, hello everybody. Peter Jennings here from the Australian Strategic Policy Institute, and it's my great pleasure today to be talking to Dr. Joseph Wu, Minister for Foreign Affairs of the Republic of China, Taiwan. Dr. Wu, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Well, thank you very much for asking me to be on your show. Uh, it's my delight to be able to be interviewed by you. Thank you. So, Minister, I've got a number of questions that I'd like to take you through, uh, talking about Taiwan's uh, foreign policy priorities, some of the developments we're seeing in the region, uh, obviously talking about Taiwan-Australia relations, uh, and then I'm interested to uh, talk a little bit about you, if you'll allow me to understand uh, yourself uh, as, as Minister. But let's start on Taiwan's foreign policy priorities and diplomatic relations. What would you say the top foreign policy priorities for Taiwan for 2022? Appreciate it very much for that question. In fact, serving as the Minister of Foreign Affairs may not be an easy task. Uh, as you can tell, Taiwan is being isolated by China internationally, and therefore uh, the task or the burden on the foreign minister in Taiwan has been tremendous. Uh, somebody joked that uh, you know the president must dislike me very much in order to put me in this position. But I can tell you that uh, we have been working very hard in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Taiwan. Uh, we understand our responsibilities. Uh, our objective is out of the isolation attempts by China. We want to build international friendship and we want to be able to make contributions to the international community. And we want to use our international connections for Taiwan uh, security, for Taiwan's economy, or for Taiwan's position in the international community. Uh, for instance, uh, we want to be a force for good in the world. Uh, that was uh, what the U.S. decision makers have been uh, describing Taiwan. Uh, Taiwan have been, uh, has been uh, trying to make contributions to the international community wherever possible. Uh, we want to be a positive force in making contributions to the fight against terrorism, or to fight to preserve religious freedom, or to extend democracy and human rights to the areas beyond Taiwan, uh, or to fight against those authoritarian forces like North Korea by joining the international sanction. Uh, and we also want to uh, work very hard in participating in the international or regional trade blocks so that we can Taiwan can benefit from the uh, trade relations with other countries. And other than that, uh, we also want to work very hard in securing the U.S. support uh, in terms of uh, providing uh, the necessary defense weapons for Taiwan to be able to defend itself. Uh, the task itself or the objective has been a very complicated, but at any rate, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs have been working very hard. And in the last few years, we have seen that uh, Taiwan has built much better relations with uh, like-minded countries, for example, Australia, Japan, the United States, Europe, and et cetera. 
And we are also working very hard in trying to participate in the CPTPP. And our defense relations with the United States uh, have also been uh, increasing tremendously in the last few years. And we are also hearing good stories about Taiwan internationally. Uh, for instance, uh, there are more and more decision makers in Australia talking about the importance of peace and stability over the Taiwan Strait. And these are all the results of our hard work. Minister, there's uh, one small dimension of Taiwan's foreign policy is the issue about uh, the uh, diplomatic recognition. Um, and we've seen over the last few years, uh, the, the PRC has been engaged in a major attempt to sort of cut away at those numbers of states which um, provide full diplomatic recognition to Taiwan. So we've seen uh, Kiribati and the Solomon Islands in the Pacific, Panama and, and Honduras uh, in um, Central America over the last few years switch their diplomatic recognition to Beijing. What's your view about what's happening here and how do you intend to address this issue uh, this year? Uh, I think we need to explain a little bit about the Chinese objectives. Uh, the Chinese objectives about Taiwan is to isolate Taiwan, to prevent Taiwan from having more international relations. And the uh, diplomatic allies that recognize Taiwan provide Taiwan with a very strong voice uh, to be heard in international organizations, whether it's uh, WHO or UN or ICAO or UNFCCC and etc. Uh, and it is very important for us to be able to maintain diplomatic relations with those diplomatic allies. Uh, and those diplomatic allies, they may not be the biggest, strongest or the richest countries in the world. But our cooperation projects with them do provide opportunity for them, uh, especially for the people themselves, to receive the benefit of Taiwan's support. So it is very important for Taiwan to shine internationally, to have that Taiwan model of international assistance to other countries. Australia also has uh, very substantial relations with the Pacific countries. And uh, now we are engaging more closely than ever with the Australian government in those uh, Pacific countries. Uh, and uh, they are probably be able to find that uh, Taiwan's technical assistance to those countries are being very effective, uh, whether it's medical assistance or agricultural assistance or job training opportunities, uh, all these are provided, providing direct benefit to the people. And many people have already talking about the Taiwan model of international assistance, and we are very proud of it. And we will continue to engage with our diplomatic allies so that the international community understand the contribution of Taiwan. Uh, but other than that, you can see that uh, the Chinese are also uh, having its objective beyond Taiwan. They want to isolate Taiwan, but they also want to project their forces or project their power and influences uh, throughout the world. It's not only in the Pacific, but also in uh, Southeast Asia and South Asia and uh, even Africa and even in Europe. Uh, and this is uh, something that we have to cope with. Uh, the Chinese always have that excuse of uh, trying to take away Taiwan's diplomatic uh, space or international space by arguing that uh, Taiwan, it, its existence is Taiwan independence. Uh, but if you look at the Chinese operations internationally, uh, we have to worry that China's objective is beyond Taiwan. You know, if you, if you look at uh, your military exercises not long ago, 
the Chinese would send its surveillance ships very close to your coast. And you may wonder why the Chinese would do that, leaving uh, thousands and thousands of miles away. And that is part of the Chinese uh, objective in uh, reaching out to the international community. So this is something that uh, we need to uh, be very careful about. And of course, Taiwan is going to continue to work very hard in securing our diplomatic relations. But at the same time, we also need to cultivate and strengthen the relations with like-minded countries. Uh, the like-minded countries such as Australia, Japan, the United States, and Europe, and in the last few years, uh, we are seeing more and more like-minded countries are willing to come out and show support to Taiwan. Uh, they're willing to support Taiwan by allowing Taiwan's senior officials to visit or having a public speeches, or they are uh, showing support for Taiwan participation in the uh, international organizations such as uh, the WHO, or they are showing their support for Taiwan by emphasizing the importance of peace and stability over the Taiwan Strait. So these are what we are trying to do, uh, not just the diplomatic ally, but also the good friends internationally. Yes, I think that's interesting, Minister, that in a sense, the more pressure we see from the PRC, the more, the more um, sympathy and attention there is towards uh, Taiwan's situation. And, and we all understand at the end of the day, this is really mm -hmm. a story about control and uh, the need for the democracies to, to push back against that. At the broadest level, um, what, what's your assessment about the likely trajectory of PRC-Taiwan relations this year? Uh, the way we see it uh, is that China will continue or increase its uh, military, diplomatic, and economic pressure on Taiwan. Right. Uh, for example, on the military side, uh, they've been conducting military exercises either in the air or on the service against Taiwan in the last year. Uh, for only one example, uh, their air exercises around Taiwan has uh, increased up to uh, almost 1,000 sorties last year. Right. And that's a tremendous threat against Taiwan. And if you look at the, you know, the type of uh, exercises uh, that have been conducting, it's becoming more complex more suited for modern warfare and is more threatening than ever. And if you look at the, their diplomatic pressure against Taiwan, they are using all sorts of uh, diplomatic pressure against Taiwan. Uh, I'm sure the Australian friends have noticed the case of uh, Lithuania. Uh, the Lithuanian government decided to uh, uh, have some relations with Taiwan by allowing Taiwan to open up a representative office in Vilnius. And they are also considering to uh, open up an office here in Taipei. Uh, but look at the way the Chinese are putting pressure on that small country in the Baltic. It's unbelievable. It's not only putting direct trade and economic pressure on this country, but it's also putting diplomatic pressure on this country, hoping that this country would uh, sever its uh, established relations with Taiwan. And it's not ended at that point, is targeting European corporations doing business in Lithuania. This is a secondary uh, sanction. Uh, and now the European countries realize that it's a, harsh, uh, it's a very hostile act uh, against EU, not just against uh, uh, Lithuania. So this is a kind of uh, diplomatic pressure uh, they're putting on Taiwan. You know, going back to Taiwan's diplomatic 
uh, airline. This is also something that we are observing. They are still uh, adding more pressure on our diplomatic allies. And in the past, what they tried to do uh, is to provide some unrealistic uh, promises, uh, some promises that they might not be able to deliver, but they will promise anyway to seduce uh, some of our diplomatic allies to think about the fabulous uh, opportunities uh, economically so that they would establish diplomatic relations with Taiwan. And sometimes they would engage in corrupt practices by putting money directly at the pocket of uh, some of the political leaders. And this is going to uh, have some uh, diplomatic pressure on Taiwan, of course. And the final uh, pressure on Taiwan is the economic pressure. And just like what they have put pressure on Australia by banning coal and fruits and the wine and et cetera. They're also banning some of the agricultural products uh, coming from Taiwan. So this is uh, the kinds of pressure that we are seeing. Uh, we don't know whether they are going to add more items by sanctioning or boycotting uh, our products, uh, but we would expect that the Chinese would not stop uh, from what they have already done. Uh, and we would expect that uh, the uh, pressure will continue to mount uh, just to squeeze Taiwan out of the international community or to weaken Taiwan or to force Taiwan to kneel uh, before there's uh, actual war. Why has this pressure become so much more intense in the last few years, Minister? What, what's your sort of read of Beijing's intentions to, to lift the level of pressure like they have, for example, on air exercises? It's something that uh, we can only speculate or we can uh, do analysis uh, and uh, compare notes with each other. You know, we don't speak directly to the top leaders in uh, Beijing. You know, sometimes I wish that uh, I, I work in Zhongnanhai in order to understand why uh, they would do all this uh, mm. because it's not in uh, line with their interests in the long run. Yeah. Uh, the Chinese leaders are still talking about peaceful unification and they want to have the uh, uh, spirit uh, of the two countries or the two parts of the Taiwan Strait uh, to line up with each other. Uh, they would try to win hearts and minds of the Taiwanese people so that the, the prospect for peaceful unification can increase. But what they try to do to Taiwan, military pressure, economic pressure, diplomatic pressure, and etc., is putting Taiwan further and further away from those objectives. And therefore, uh, it is very difficult to understand the Chinese objectives uh, at this moment. But if you look at their international operation, uh, we might come to a very sober conclusion that authoritarianism is trying to expand its influence globally beyond Taiwan. Uh, look at what they try to do to Hong Kong. It's very obvious. Uh, Hong Kong is a symbol of freedom and liberalism, politically and uh, economically. But they want to put it to an end uh, by imposing the uh, national security law. Now, Hong Kong is gone. You know, there's no more freedom over there. Those who were elected uh, freely were taken out of their position one by one. And now they cannot tolerate uh, those democracy advocate to be elected into their uh, representation institutions anymore. So this is Hong Kong. And if you look at our mutual good friend, Japan, 
And I'm sure you also understand that uh, Japan is very nervous uh, about their relations with China. Uh, there's a dispute territory, a territorial water uh, in East China Sea. It used to be controlled totally by Japan, but now the Chinese are sending ships, either Coast Guard ships or fishing boats or their military ships into the disputed water almost on a daily basis these days. And sometimes they would even chase away uh, Japanese fishing boats by force. So this is a very uh, serious situation for the Japanese government to uh, cope with. And if you look at South China Sea, this is another area of contention. Uh, and I'm sure the Australian government also sees the uh, problem uh, associated with the South China Sea as your relations with Southeast Asia is very important for your national interest. And now the Chinese uh, ships or airplanes controlling the South China Sea has been uh, very extensive. Uh, and that is something for us to worry about. Yeah. And beyond South China Sea, you can see uh, they also have a border dispute with India. Uh, they also try to set up their uh, strings of pearls along the Indian Ocean and their relations with uh, uh, Africa uh, or their influence over Africa is beyond our imagination. And they are also trying to reach out to some parts of Europe uh, through Belt Road Initiative uh, to strengthen their position in Europe. So this is what we see. And we see a global ambition of China and it's the same in the Pacific as well. And therefore uh, they want to single Taiwan out by showing that they are able to take over Taiwan militarily. And we are very concerned about that. And therefore, we need to be prepared for that. Uh, we understand our own position. We are right on the front line of democracy's defense for our survival and our way of life. And therefore, we want to strengthen our uh, defense capabilities to safeguard not just our own sovereignty, but to safeguard the democracies to prevent China or the authoritarianism from expanding further. And because of that, uh, we also want to work closer uh, with the fellow democracies so that we can have more uh, consolidated joint force uh, to fight against the expansion of authoritarianism. So this is what we see. And therefore, uh, we understand the reason why China will put pressure on Taiwan. And that is because China has a global ambition. Right. Uh, so uh, on the question of military support, uh, Minister, what are the most pressing areas that Taiwan is looking for from friends uh, in terms of military and security cooperation? Uh, we have been working very closely with the United States, uh, as you can imagine. Uh, the U.S. has been providing Taiwan not only with uh, defensive weapons, but along with the defensive weapons, uh, they also provide us with uh, maintenance capabilities, or the services, or the training. And that has substantially strengthened our defense capabilities. And other than that, we have also been discussing very closely with the United States on how Taiwan can have a strategy to be able to defend a uh, increasing Chinese military pressure. And one of that is uh, asymmetric warfare. And we are trying to line up with the United States on what should be the most effective way of uh, defending Taiwan on asymmetric warfare. And other than that, uh, we are also trying to strengthen our reserve forces uh, so that we not only have the first layer of defense, but also the second layer and the third layer of defense. And this is very important for Taiwan. 
and we have been uh, working very hard uh, to increase our capabilities by working together with the United States. There's beyond um, Taiwan-U.S. cooperation, Minister, there's a, there's a sort of a, I guess, a wider network of allied cooperation happening in the region. And increasingly, uh, we see Australia uh, becoming closer to Japan. Uh, you, you would know that we've recently signed a reciprocal access agreement with the Japanese, yes. uh, which is really the, the, the only agreement they have other than um, with, with the United States. So I'm interested in your perceptions on, on that and really the broader position of Australia and Japan as the two consequential democracies in the region uh, who are looking to their own security, uh, but it also happens that Taiwan is a critical factor of regional stability. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is a very important issue for Taiwan, but also for the free world. Uh, as I said a little bit earlier, uh, we see the authoritarianism in China has been trying to expand its influence and power beyond the first island chain. Uh, it's trying to gear up uh, its uh, military presence uh, in uh, the area of uh, the Pacific and South China Sea and etc. Uh, and as I said a little bit earlier, it might also impact upon Australia's national interest uh, because Australia uh, has intense interest in making sure that there's a free and open Indo-Pacific. And Australia also has an intense interest over its relations with Southeast Asia. And therefore, uh, we are very happy to see that uh, some of our very important friends are supporting with each other, are cooperating with each other uh, in security sense. Uh, other than the, the RAA uh, that you have with Japan, uh, there's also AUKUS. And I think the free countries, or especially the uh, powerful, uh, like-minded countries, are working together militarily. This is very important to make sure that the authoritarianism understand that it's going to counter a uh, very strong force uh, or sets of allies uh, in defending a free and open Indo-Pacific. Can I ask you about your thoughts on the, the broader Australia-Taiwan bilateral relationship? What would you describe as the strong points and what are the areas that we could work on to improve? Uh, Australia has been a very good friend of Taiwan for a long time. And you can see that uh, the top decision makers here in Taiwan are all fans of Australia. Uh, especially myself. You know, I was invited to visit Australia in 2013, and that was a wonderful trip for me to open my eyes to Australia, uh, especially the stop at the War Museum. Mm -hmm. I was uh, you know, uh, introduced uh, to the War Museum, and I see uh, Australia has sacrificed for principles, for friendships, and for uh, its uh, alliance relationship with the United States and other uh, major allies of yours. So I can see that Australia is a great country uh, that we can make friends with, and we are like-minded, of course. And uh, because of that, uh, you can see that uh, the Taiwanese government has been uh, working very hard in strengthening our relations with Australia. So in the last few years, you can see that uh, our trade relations have been increasing and we are exploring more possibilities for areas of cooperation in terms of trade or uh, economic relations. And we are also having a more engagement with each other. Uh, and we are very happy to hear more and more uh, decision makers in Australia talking openly about supporting Taiwan's international participation and the importance of the peace and stability over the Taiwan Strait. And uh, we are also very happy 
uh, that the Australia is willing to discuss with Taiwan on some of the uh, uh, major items or issues uh, that uh, to our mutual concern. Uh, for example, we have been uh, discussing with each other over the Pacific uh, issues. Uh, we are trying to compare notes on how we can support uh, the Pacific countries. And we are very happy to see that Australia now is setting up uh, its embassy in every one of those uh, Pacific islands. Uh, and we are also very happy that Taiwan and Australia are uh, working with each other on many other issues. So this is a very strong point. And of course, Taiwan is trying to participate in the CPTPP. And this is, a, you know, we have a strategic objective in this. And we are very glad to hear that the Australian uh, decision makers are very supportive of Taiwan, uh, especially when Taiwan has already reached the standard of the CPTPP. And if Taiwan can join the CPTPP, and I'm sure uh, Taiwan-Australia relations would uh, even be closer. I think there's a sense in Australia, Minister, uh, sort of held on all sides of politics that uh, it, it is now a very important objective to try to resist this increasing squeezing on Taiwan and the sort of closing down of Taiwan's ability to operate in multilateral forums and in uh, other institutions. And, and a sort of a strong Australian commitment to want to do more to assist in that respect. We will be going into an election, uh, Minister, probably about May, I, I suspect. Um, mm -hmm. Have you got any advice? Uh, usually uh, uh, foreign ministers are a bit reluctant to advise other countries. <laughs> but do you have any advice for our politicians about how they should be thinking about the challenges presented by China and, and the opportunities presented uh, in our relationship with Taiwan? Well, I think you are absolutely right that the foreign ministers should refrain from commenting on how to offer advices to uh, friendly countries uh, on how they can uh, handle their uh, internal matters or international relations. Uh, but, you know, personally, uh, I understand that uh, uh, there's a growing uh, voice of support for Taiwan. And I really hope that the Australian decision makers or politicians uh, elected officials can continue to think Taiwan as a like-minded country, as a very good friend, as a friend that can work together with Australia. Uh, and this is uh, what we would hope for. You can see that uh, I'm wearing a, a kangaroo pin uh, or the uh, uh, Australian cufflinks. And I, I wear this very often because I want to show to the Australian friends that you really have a friend in me. And whenever you think that Taiwan can do something uh, in support of Australia, or whenever Taiwan and Australia can do something together internationally, Taiwan will always be there. So that's the message. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you. Uh, we just have a few minutes left, but can I ask some questions about you? Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, I imagine politics almost absorbs every minute of your day, but what are your interests outside of politics and do you have any time for those? Uh, probably don't have too much time. As you can see that uh, we have offices around the world and sometimes I need to uh, stay awake uh, in order to deal with some of the pressing things. Uh, but other than that, I, I cook myself mm -hmm. uh, and I cook for my small family. And that is giving me so much joy uh, in preparing for something that I can taste myself, 
uh, or my son and my wife can taste. So that is uh, something that I would do uh, over the weekend, uh, try to preserve at least half of a day over the weekend uh, in order to cook myself. And other than that, I also enjoy music. You know, I play trombone uh, when I was in high school and that good habit continued to stay in me. Right. Uh, you know, when I went to the United States for study in uh, 1979, uh, I worked part-time in a restaurant uh, to earn my tuition and uh, living courses. And for the first paycheck, uh, I went to a music store to buy a trombone for yeah. myself. And I still have that trombone. So this is uh, my hobby and I will continue to retain that hobby. Fantastic. Well, I, I don't play the trombone, but I am the chef in my household, uh, Minister. So we, <laughs> That's we wonderful. That much in, in common. Let me ask you another question about your observation of, of your own country. How, how much has Taiwan changed over your lifetime? And what sort of legacy would you like to leave for the, the next generation, including your own children? My lifetime, uh, I have seen tremendous changes and development uh, throughout uh, all these years. Uh, when I was much younger, uh, in high school or in the university, Taiwan was under very harsh authoritarianism. Mm. And it was a terrible uh, era uh, for Taiwan to be in. Uh, some of my family members uh, were even politically persecuted. So that was a hard, hard memory for all of us. And gradually in the 1980s and 90s, uh, Taiwan had evolved into a democracy. And this is something that we fought very hard to be able to uh, uh, establish. And this is something that we think uh, Taiwan will have to fight very hard to preserve. And for our next generation, we want to be sure that we can offer them a better democracy and the way that they can uh, live freely, uh, do not have to fear about the persecutions anymore. So this is uh, what we would hope for the future. We want to preserve the opportunity for our next generations to be able to decide their futures themselves, whether it's uh, some sort of relations with China or to keep Taiwan the way it is. We want to make sure that our future generations have that right to decide themselves. So this is uh, for uh, the political sense yeah. And for the economic sense, uh, you know, Taiwan used to be impoverished. And because of the international assistance, especially coming from the United States and some European countries, Taiwan developed gradually. And Taiwan people now uh, is uh, having a rather high standard of living. And we want to leave a legacy to our future generations that Taiwan is not selfish. Taiwan is a force for good. Taiwan has been making contributions to the international community. And we want to encourage our next generations to continue to uh, have that legacy of being a force for good in the world. Minister, you, you mentioned the Hong Kong experience, uh, sort of the dreadful couple of years that Hong Kongers have had. Uh, do you think that has reinforced amongst uh, the Taiwanese people, particularly young Taiwanese people, the, the, the values of the political system that you now have? And, and are they as strongly attached to it, uh, the young people, as, as you are yourself? Yes, indeed. You know, we have watched the young people in Hong Kong 
standing out to fight for their rights uh, in the last couple of years. Uh, but then all of a sudden we saw that the Chinese government imposed a national security law uh, in, in, in Hong Kong and have taken away the rights, the freedom and the liberty of the Hong Kong people. Uh, the Chinese government used to say that they want to give Hong Kong one country, two system model, uh, and it won't change in 50 years. And they want to use Hong Kong as a showcase to uh, Taiwan's future unification with China. But now since we have seen Hong Kong, the people here in Taiwan, not just the young people, but throughout the whole population, we understand that what's going on in Hong Kong should not happen in Taiwan. We don't want one country, two system, like what Hong Kong used to be said to have. And we want to have our own government and we want to be live, we want to live freely. So this is a lesson that we have learned. And I think in a broader sense, I think the international community has also watched Hong Kong evolved in a gradual way. And that might also change the mindset of the uh, leadership uh, throughout the international community that what they see as happening in Hong Kong should not happen in other places, including Taiwan. Yeah. Uh, we are seeing the authoritarianism trying to uh, put pressure on Taiwan. They uh, impose national security law in Hong Kong. Uh, they are trying to uh, put economic pressure on Lithuania and et cetera. And in Australia, we also see the Chinese government is trying to infiltrate uh, and also uh, using the disinformation campaign or hybrid warfare to affect you uh, internally. And I'm sure you understand this very well since uh, you wrote something about this. And this is what we experience. And no country, no free country would like to see what happened in Hong Kong to be repeated in other democracies. And this is our lesson learned from Hong Kong. Well, Joseph, well, it's been a fascinating conversation and uh, I'm conscious of your time. I know that you have uh, yet another important meeting to go to, so we may have to finish at this point. But I just want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us and to thank you for all of the hard work that you're doing in the, in the defence of your country and in the promotion of our closer uh, relationship together. I do hope that at some stage there may be an opportunity for us to meet physically and uh, perhaps I could cook a meal for your family and you could play as the <laughs> trombone or something like that. But uh, it's been a great conversation and uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, and it's my delight to be able to have this conversation as well. Uh, and hopefully we can invite you to uh, visit Taiwan physically uh, when the traveling conditions ease off. And of course, you know, I would love to uh, visit Australia again in the near future. Uh, to meet with you in person. Minister, thank you so much, and uh, we'll say goodbye at this point. Thank you again. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's all we have time for this week on Policy, Guns and Money. We'll be back with another episode soon. Thanks for listening.